0: Good morning Florence Olivia Hall, welcome on VH Berries.
1: Hi, thank you very much for having me.
0: You are one of the most brilliant actresses of your generation. <laughs> How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well today, thank you. It's, um, it's dark here now because it's five o'clock UK time and um, I'm going to put up my Christmas tree after this call so I'm feeling pretty good
0: absolutely Florence Hall because I saw that last year you actually cut it uh, your yes. Christmas tree by yourself
1: I did I did and actually my partner is out there with a friend doing it now I couldn't fit it in because I've been so busy so he is currently in a Christmas tree forest somewhere uh cutting down a Christmas tree with the with the help of the dog and yeah he'll be bringing it home over his shoulder um Hopefully not during this call, because that'll be really noisy. I've told him to wait <laughs> until I'm finished. Um, but yeah, so very excited to get that going.
0: I'm very curious about the type of Christmas tree that you are going to get this year, because they, are, uh, they have many types, many uh, heights yeah. and uh, many...
1: Uh... Yeah, many varieties. So what we'll be going for is... Uh, the Nordman fir, which is the non-drop. I'm a bit of a Christmas tree expert, but um, in, in a previous life I used to sell Christmas trees, so I'm quite into them. Um, I So the Nordman fir is the non-drop kind, so they're not as spiky um, and they are, uh, yeah, and I think we're going to get about a six foot one a slim six foot one and then possibly we might also get a Norway spruce which are beautiful they're the really spiky ones that when they're inside they drop their needles straight away but we'd put that in the garden with just some fairy lights on it so (laughs) I suspect Luke is going to come back with two Christmas trees
0: (laughs) the goal and the purpose is to have a tree in which you can hide behind
1: a tree that I can hide behind
0: absolutely
1: (laughs) I know it's a London flat, I don't think we've got quite enough space for that here, sadly.
0: I would love, Florence Hall, to discuss about your current project uh, going on in uh, streaming platforms and theatre, because there are multiple releases right now.
1: Yeah, it's been a busy, well, November's been a busy month on the release front, starting with um, the Princess Switch 3 which came out um, on Netflix on the 18th of November. And yeah, it's done really well. I can't actually quite remember now where it's ranked on on Netflix. I think at one point we certainly hit number two with the Princess Switch uh, 2, which was the the first one that I was in. I think we got to number one on Netflix globally, which was incredible. Um, Yeah, so that's been very exciting. And then about 10 days after that, Queens of Mystery came out on Acorn TV uh, in the UK, it'll be out in the US in the new year. But yeah, so it's been, it's been amazing. I've sort of been and there's such contrasting shows, such contrasting characters that it's been, um, I feel you can probably see in my face, my brain's been whirring as I sort of try to remember, you know, jumping from one to the other chatting about them. But it's been, it's been incredibly exciting. Yeah, so The Princess Switch 3, um, is, for viewers that don't know The Princess Switch, they are, um, uh, Netflix Christmas films that, uh, star Vanessa Hudgens, who's a brilliant actress and performer that kind of shot to fame in high school musical movies. Um, and she plays, multiple characters so it's a it's a sort of a parent trap type situation where two people look the same and they swap identities and um fall in love (laughs) and hilarity ensues and and when I joined the cast in uh for the second movie is when Vanessa came back as a third character who was sort of the baddie and uh Ricky Norwood and I, so Ricky and I play a double act, Reg- uh, Reggie and Mindy, we were sort of like the comedy villains. So it's sort of in, in the vein of um, our writers and directors were really inspired by, by the comedy villains in sort of Disney movies. So like in Home Alone or in 101 Dalmatians. So you've got these, these these baddies that keep messing things up and they think they're smarter than they actually are. And so we got to have a lot of fun doing that. And then in this film um we come back because they the the queen needs our help with stealing back a precious diamond that um, a precious star that has been stolen um just before christmas eve so it actually turns into a heist movie which i think is just the most (laughs) brilliant and hilarious combination a christmas movie meets heist movie uh yeah so we've got a lot of zip wiring and running across rooftops and hacking into computer systems and and all of that and it was it's really fun it's really wonderful film to be a part of. Florence
0: Hall, it is all about contrast because between um, Matilda and Mindy there is only one common point, the first letter M. <laughs>
1: yeah actually <laughs> both because it's Min- it's Mindy Sloan and Matilda Stone. So apart from the fact that their names are virtually identical, yeah you're right, they couldn't be more different um, which is which is a real treat I think. A lot of the time, as actors, we do end up playing quite similar roles. You know, people see you in a certain way, you kind of get into a bit of a typecast, which isn't, it isn't always a bad thing. Um, I know that we'd all love to play a real variety of roles, but essentially we all just want to work. So if you end up playing similar roles, you play similar roles. But to bounce straight from that kind of uh, brash and over-the-top comedy villain role, to playing Matilda, so playing a detective who's very thoughtful, she's very considered, she's very smart, Um, she puts everyone else before herself, uh, so whereas Mindy, all she wants to do is get rich and have material wealth and she doesn't care who she tramples on to get there, Matilda actually has, you know, she sacrificed a lot of her personal life Uh, in pursuit of her job, in pursuit of being a detective, solving crimes, being there for her three aunts who brought her up. And it's, uh, yeah, a very, very different type of role.
0: Absolutely. And in the series called uh, The Princess Switch, you are the character wearing the best sunglasses.
1: (laughs) They are so good, aren't they? those sunglasses, I um, I actually need to drop another message to our producer because at the end of, mostly at the end of a film or a, a shoot, there's a costume sale and so I had my eye on so many things but actually us main cast, we weren't allowed to buy anything until the movie was picture locked which was, you know, took many months later but now all of our costumes are in some storage container somewhere and our producer was then in, <laughs> I think Prague for then the six months after that. And I want those sunglasses and I want my sparkly trousers that I wear in it because they'd be perfect for Christmas parties. Um, I'm sure he's got much better things to do than open up his lockup and let me go and loot the costumes, but I'm, I'm gonna have to um, get on his case about it because I need those sunglasses and I need those trousers.
0: If I understood correctly, Florence Hall, you mean that you are in the fight uh, to uh, take back the sunglasses?
1: <laughs> yes, I am. I need them. I was promised that I could have them once the you know once <laughs> the final edit was done. It's obviously done. The show's out. They they, they can't do any reshoots now. So uh, I, I need I need to go and save them from the lockup, and yeah, hopefully hopefully in the summer you'll see me walking around the streets of London in those Mindy sunglasses
0: you also need to make some experiences by putting them on the nose of your uh, sausage dog.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, we try and dress her up all the time, but she's, she's like Houdini, getting out. She can wriggle out of any outfit, jumper, jacket within seconds. It's, it's a real skill. We dressed her up as... We made a... Um, okay, this is a bit of a tangent and quite specific to people of South London, but there's quite a famous, um, it's called the Lambeth Country Show, which is on in Brockwell Park in South London each year. And it, it started off as a way to introduce the you know kids who live in the city to animals, to farm life, to things that they might not see if they're not out in the countryside. And it's turned into this major event But obviously with COVID in recent years, it was cancelled. So a group of us that always go every year, you know, we were still allowed to meet up in the park. We met up and we all dressed our dogs up as farmyard animals. And I spent hours making, just out of cardboard and like rubber bands, uh, a chicken costume for our dogs. I made her like the, I don't know the words, the plume and the bit that goes under the neck and made her some wings. Um, and managed I think she kept it on for about 45 seconds before she'd managed to rip herself out of it and run away and I think <laughs> I honestly think it took me about three hours to make but we got some pictures we made everyone laugh and um you know gonna have to just keep the memories of that so um I think if I were to give her my sunglasses she'd um she'd destroy them which I don't want to happen
0: we don't want that to happen. No. So the species of dog that you just uh, mentioned is the Dashung one, and I yeah. believe that it is a pretty uh, common one uh, in United Kingdom.
1: Yeah, they they're very popular, and particularly now. I mean, we, Luna's six and a half years old, so we've had her for a very long time. But uh, particularly, I think in cities because they're small, they don't need. You know they don't need a huge amount of walking 45 minutes to an hour a day we take her out for and then uh, she can go in and out of the house through a cat flap which is brilliant so she takes herself out to chase squirrels in the garden takes herself off for the toilet um, and also what's great is that if you ever need anyone to look after her everyone being in London is sort of like New York and other big cities we all live in really quite small apartments and you know if you had a great dane nobody's going to want to look after that so i think that's why they've been so on the rise in london particularly since since all the lockdowns and people working from home so there are millions in the park now and (laughs) oh they are they are so sweet she is she is the sweetest and most amusing dog i've ever met in my life and i know everybody thinks their dog's the best dog but I've heard from a number of people that Luna is in fact the best dog. So, uh, uh, you know, I can't argue with that.
0: Luna has been in your life for uh, six years, which is half of your acting career.
1: (laughs) That's true. I've never thought of it like that, yeah.
0: (laughs) Can you tell us about the beginnings in London um, after... um, the London uh, School Centre Theatre that you've made uh, almost uh, more than a decade ago.
1: Yeah, so I moved to London when I was 19 to go to drama school, to go to the Drama Centre London, which is it's actually sadly shut down now, but it's an incredible drama school that is quite, uh, when it was set up, it was quite revolutionary. They work you very hard on reflection, I think they work too hard, but they certainly made me prepared for uh, how tough the industry is. So I did my three years there and they were absolutely incredible. And I learned so much, I grew so much as an actress, I made incredible friends. And then I, uh, yeah, I got spat out into the industry at the, I was 21, I think, just about to turn 22 when I when I left. And, you know, I got an agent, got really good agent. So that was great. And I was feeling really positive and terrified, but feeling really positive. Um, got quite a nice job almost immediately. Got a nice TV job in a, a series called Jonathan Creek, which I don't know how, I don't know how globally known it is, but it's the show that I'd grown up watching. So that was really good fun. And then, yeah, and then it all went quiet for a bit and I was working in a call centre, like many, many actors do, and suddenly the reality of of this career that I'd chosen sort of came crashing down on me quite hard because, you know, you like to think that if you're good at your job, if you work hard, if you're nice to people, that you could... You could work. And, you know, I'd been warned about how difficult the industry was, but I suppose I was, I chose to be sort of blind to it, uh, which I think is a good survival technique. I think you kind of need a certain amount of blind optimism to enter into something like this. So, yeah, then the, you know, the 12 years since then have been so up and down, um, so interesting. I've done some I started off mostly working in theatre um, and which was always my first love and my first passion when it came to acting um, got to work at some incredible places regional theatres so up in Manchester um, Theatre or Bath which is a brilliant uh, a brilliant theatre and we sort of and went on tour I've worked in the West End I've worked at the National Theatre in London which was It's one of my favourite places on earth, and they do incredible things. But in and around all of that, I would pretty much always finish a job, particularly when it's theatre, because frankly, the pay is so bad. Um, And I'd be straight back to the call centre, or I'd be straight back to... um, I've worked as a cleaner. I was a cleaner in a number of houses for a couple of years, which actually I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed being a cleaner, because um, I'm very active, I like to move about i I don't I, the call center was a struggle because I really find it hard to sit in a chair for all that time. So it kind of just sort of felt like any every time I was getting any kind of traction or any time I thought this is you know this is a big job, this is gonna you know be it. this is gonna be my break. I would then find myself, two weeks later, back with a headset on saying, you know, this is Florence calling from blah, blah, you know, with people being rude to me and hanging up on me and feeling kind of miserable again. But over the years, I've I've learnt that that is the job of being an actor. I think, I think people who aren't in the industry would be amazed at, you know, people that they've watched on TV, who are doing a series and who have side businesses side hustles we always call them all sorts you know they might they might do something like work in an office temp work they might have developed another business they might a lot of actors are also personal trainers they might do a bit of editing on the side you know it's amazing if if people can find a a, a secondary job that is also creative that's kind of the holy grail um And so once I realised that that is actually the life of being an actor, except for a very, very small percentage of people who, um, and it always comes down to money, doesn't it, get either work enough or do well enough paid jobs that they don't have to then, you know, go back to their day job. Um, I kind of found some real freedom in that. And I think it's... um, it, there's also some real joy to take from it. I, I have met so many people that I wouldn't have met had I only ever worked as an actor. You know, our, our job as an actor is to understand the lives of all sorts of other people and to know what it's like to walk in their shoes. And if the only shoes you've ever walked in are those of an actor, I think it really narrows your creative pool, your creative outlet, so now that I've embraced the the truth of being an actor, I can find uh, incredible satisfaction from character studies and, and um, you know, that finding myself in bizarre situations where I think, oh my goodness, how am I here? And this is, I am sort of really going off on one now. But when I used to, when I worked um, for a company as a telemarketer, they had a little pool of actors, and we were all the telemarketers because, you know, we're quite good on the phone, we're quite good at relating to people, we're confident, all of that. So uh, that's why actors end up doing it quite a lot. And the company started doing really well, and they had a thing that if if they hit, I don't know what the financial target was if they hit a certain amount of profit or I don't know how businesses work but if they hit it then the company was taking the entire business to Ibiza for the weekend and they were paying for it and they hit the target and so we were all asked do you want to come to Ibiza for the weekend all expenses paid and we thought I don't know corporate trip to Ibiza this could be I mean this could be really bad but then a few of us thought yeah, come on, like let's do it. Let's see what it's like. And so I went on this, uh, I went on this trip and it was sort of gross and hilarious and just witnessing a sort of a, that kind of culture was an eye opener and I'm so glad I did it. And in no other, you know, I don't know many I don't know many actors that have been on a corporate holiday to Ibiza, but it's something that I have drawn on so many times with character observations and study. So it's just things like that. If you can find the if you can find the joy and hilarity of the situations that we find ourselves in just to try and earn a few quid and make ends meet, then you're kind of on to a winner. Um which doesn't mean to say that I'm always delighted when I'm not acting, I would or I would much prefer to be acting all the time. But you know, if you want to spin it into something good, that's kind of the way I've I've found that um, I can really live a full life as an actor and not just waiting for the phone to ring, not just waiting for somebody to finally say, yes, you've got the job. Um, so it's it's something I try and talk about a lot and make people aware of because I think people can feel like a perhaps they're failing as an actor if they're not constantly working as an actor you know you're not that is the life of an actor
0: blind optimism these are two very deep words Florence (laughs)
1: Hall (laughs) they are I mean I think you've got to you know as I was illustrating it's a it's a tough um any freelance creative work it's a tough gig to have chosen and you do need an amount of um belief you need to believe in yourself you need to believe that you're going to be the that person that pushes through and kind of you know gets the job and i think particularly when i was younger and particularly when i was training if i'd have really known the reality of what it was like to be an actor when i was training i think it I don't know. I think I would, you know, I probably think I would have always pursued acting because it's I've, the thing I've wanted to do my whole life. But I I think you need to enter into it with that energy of like, yeah, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be fine. You others might, you know, not make it, but I'm going to. And, you know, as long as you can adapt, then, yeah, I don't know. You, you just you need that blind optimism to fall back on. Even if you lose faith in the industry, you've got to have faith in yourself and it's easier said than done but it's something I try and remind myself and something I try and work on
0: In between this adversity, there is um, the uh, Arcola Theatre in which you played uh, the Rio uh, Sparks character back in London
1: Yeah Yeah. that was an amazing job Uh, the Arcola Theatre, it's a Uh, sort of an off-off West End theatre in East London and it always has really interesting stuff, often a lot of new writing. This wasn't new but it was uh, newly, he'd gone back to it so it's an incredible uh, writer, playwright called Philip Ridley who grew up in East London and he grew up around the time of uh, the the gang, like those like the Cray twins, the gangsters of East London. He he grew up round the corner from them, and this play was kind of inspired by that very the the Cray twins and 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 all of that. It, it almost feels like urban myth or folklore or something, because it was such an extraordinary time. And so Philip wrote this incredible play that. That created this girl gang that uh, worshipped this saint, and the saint was that of my character's deceased mother. She grew up with her grandmother, and a stranger comes to visit, and he's sort of a Cray twin character. And it's all very dark, and <laughs> it's all very dark. We sort of end up tying him to a chair, and I torture him, but there's the sense that actually he's her father. But the the right Philip's writing is poetic. It's extraordinary. So on the one hand I'm playing this very hardened virtually psychopathic character, but then I'm also doing this incredible sermon to St. Donna with the most beautiful imagery and it was such an amazing combination of 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 things and it was a role to be honest i didn't think i'd get the job i read the script and i thought i'd love to play this i'm never going to get it so i just went for it in all the audition and i turned up kind of in sort of in costume hair back and hoop earrings and just thought i mean what's the worst that can happen um and for some reason it, it worked and, and I got the job. And yeah, there, there are, like I was sort of saying earlier, it, it is rare to play a character that isn't very close to who you are, really. Um, some people are character actors and that is what they make their living off, but mostly we don't. And so to get that opportunity to flex my acting muscles in that way was, was amazing and a real opportunity for kind of creative growth. And yeah, it's, I mean, it was, a, it was in 2014 and I still, I still hold it really, really close to my heart as, as one of the most amazing experiences of my career.
0: This is very close to your heart, Florence Hall. And another project in which you are tied to a chair is the
1: movie Truth or Die. (laughs) Yes. (gasps) Yeah, God, that was... That was really good fun. That was my... um, Was it my first... I think that was my first movie. Um, And being tied to a chair is actually quite painful. I actually got quite bad bruises just sort of from having to do that and wriggle it and um, and and there was a horrible moment in that actually I so we're we get tortured you know it's a horror movie so we get tortured and I get pushed onto the ground I'm tied to the chair and then um david oakes who plays actually can't remember his character name but the actor david oakes who's a brilliant actor he's playing sort of the villain in it and we've got these pipes going into our mouth and it's either going to be water or it's going to be acid we don't know which and they were trying to get you know and they would made it obviously so that the pipe that went into my mouth had a it was blocked so you'd see the water going in and then i'd sort of do the sort of struggling but obviously i wasn't being choked except we were rushing it was a classic film set, last shot of the day, we've got to get this, we've got no time, just need to get it done. So I get shoved onto the ground, get the pipe put in my mouth and we start it. And I realise that the, the block has come out and there is actually water pouring into my throat and choking me. And because I was so, I think I'd only been out of drama school for about a year. I was so new to it. You know, this would never happen now. I immediately, I'd pull. You know, I'd s- stop. But I thought, no, we've got to get the shot. I can't be the one that's responsible for this going over. And you know, I've just got to get on with it. I lay there, genuinely choking on water, for the duration of that shot until until the director called cut. They, nobody knew. You know, it wasn't anybody's fault. But I was. Oh, it was absolutely terrifying. I mean, I think it works in the scene, but it's, you know, to think of, of doing that now, I would never, ever put myself through that. But I think when you're young and you're just starting out, you just you don't want to cause a fuss. You just want to, you know, be hardworking and, and, um, and you know, not not be a, a troublemaker, not, not be the problem. You want to be the solution. So yeah, genuinely choking on water whilst gaffer taped to a chair was really terrible and really probably my least favorite experience of my whole career, even though I did really enjoy doing the movie. It was a great bunch of people.
0: And also, uh, Florence Hall, uh, what I found very fascinating is that uh, most of your work is related to uh, England, the United Kingdom, but do you also uh, have uh, the United States in mind? Is it something that um, you're thinking about?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, I think I feel ready for and excited by the prospect of what the United States has to offer um, the just the scope, the amount that you make there, the the scale of it is really exciting. Uh, I think you know. I think England and London will always be my home. I I'm very close with my family. I'm very close with my friends. The thought of being that far away from them is you know is tough. But career wise, I think. That's sort of the next stage now is to get over to LA and New York. My best friend lives in New York, and so that's useful. Um, and and just have a, you know, throw my hat in the ring there. It's it's not always the easiest transition to make. You know, you can go from feeling like a, a fairly big fish in a small pond to feeling like a very small fish in a big pond over in LA. And I have been over a couple of times and done pilot season but not for about 10 years actually and I think it's it's kind of a different landscape now that that sort of three month insane pilot season at the start of the year doesn't doesn't really exist anymore so it's it's kind of a different beast now but I think yeah I think I'd like that I'd also really like some sunshine and so the thought of being in LA for a bit is is really appealing um and yeah so I think I I think that would be a a good next step and once queens of mystery is out in america in the new year that's going to be something i'm going to be looking into putting into action with my management so watch this space
0: you will be in los angeles as well as luna because you're going to bring her uh, in the (laughs) plane with you
1: i hope so do you know she has previously uh flown in an airplane uh she was a rescue dog and had attachment uh, attachment issues or abandonment issues and my partner was going to canada to shoot a pilot and couldn't leave her so was actually able to get her registered as a um, emotional support animal Cause he was going through a hard time at, at the time and so she flew with him sort of on his lap over to canada so it is possible it's just quite complicated but she yeah she she's quite well traveled she's spent four months in amsterdam this year enjoying that so she's um she's got a european passport still which is which is lucky for her more than i can say for myself um so yeah hopefully luna would come too because i think she'd enjoy the sunshine as well
0: We all enjoy the sunshine. Florence Hall, thank you so much for your time.
1: It's been so lovely talking to you. Thank you very much for having me.